I want to read a scripture verse to you that uh, has ministered to me a lot over the years, and actually is part of my Moravian text reading plenty of times this week. Come to me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. In 2005, I was laying on a traction table at a chiropractor. I had been rented uh, by another car, by a truck, as I was in my car. You know, right next to the Moda Center, there's, you're coming down I 5 South, it kind of turns into 405, and there's an on ramp there, and there's also an off ramp that goes, I think, deeply down to 26 to go east, and it's like, it's always just crazy there. And I was coming down from a meeting in Vancouver uh, on I 5 South, and I got rented by, by a pickup truck, and I had slowed down. But I had another meeting coming up, and so I just I pulled over, we got information, I jumped in my car, and I, I went to my meeting in my office in downtown Portland. At the time, I was working uh, doing financial advising and financial planning. I was working probably about 50 hours a week doing that. I had also taken a gig in 2004 as a youth pastor. It was for 10 hours a week, and so I would do that on Friday nights and on Sunday mornings. And in that season also, I'd been a youth pastor for about two years. I started meeting about four, which is the end of about five. And the church had said, We want you to enter seminary. We think you might be gifted and called toward this pastoral ministry. We want you to enter seminary. So I was working about 50 hours a week doing financial planning, traveling all over the city. I was working about 10 hours a week being a youth pastor on the clock. And then there'd be extended hours in people's homes and caring for kids. And then I started seminary. And I took on a full course load. And so when I got rented by this car, I thought, I've got time to go see somebody. But I didn't talk to my aunt who worked at a chiropractor, and I was hoping she would just kind of like talk me through this a little bit. She's like, no, bro, like, you need to get in there. She's like, you just got rented like, by a pickup truck. You need to go get cared for. I was like, I don't have time. Mm-hmm. You got all these things going on. But I remember sitting there on my first appointment, and I'd gotten adjusted, and I'm laying on the traction table. And as I laid down on the traction table, up above me on the ceiling was a poster that had these words on it. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. As I laid there for about 30 minutes on that traction table, just staring at this verse, it was one of the first times that this verse, which I had read and seen many times, but it really began to speak to me, and God began to call out to me the need for me to slow down. I've taken a lot of personality tests over the years, and every single one tells me I'm a doer. I go, 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 and go. And it's really hard for me to know how to stop and slow down. I just do stuff, and I'll take on stuff, and I'll manage and I'll juggle stuff, and I just, it's hard to sit still. So in that day, I remember God going, you need to chill out. <laughs> so, there's a different pace to which you could be living. Yes, we need to... You know, if you want to use your business degree, and yes, you're, I called you this pastoral ministry, and yes, it, jumping in seminary is good, but you need to, you need to slow down. So God began to talk to me about that, show me different rhythms I need to put in place in my life in order that I can be healthy and be okay to do the things He was calling me to do. Yeah. Fast forward to 2010, 2011, uh, I got to go to my first Space for God retreat. In those years, 2010, 2011, we were in the beginning stages of, of planting ministry. We hadn't yet joined uh, fully together on Sunday mornings. We started doing that in 2012. But 2010, 2011, I was raising support. I was working uh, for my, helping my in-laws manage the deli. I was raising support to plant the church with our team. 
I was still in seminary, and I had gotten married. I had been married for about three years. And so still just crazy pace of life, still not yet knowing how to slow down, how to chill out, how to rest really well. And Space for God Retreat, this verse is presented again, but it's presented in the message. So we go that one. And here Jesus, through the words of Eugene Peterson, say this. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. And in that season, again, it was similar. All the hours different, looked a little different, but still a ton of hours, a lot of things. And at this point, I've been married, married for about three years. And I remember being there in that space for God retreat, and actually it was, a, it was one just for pastors. And it was a room, probably about 20 guys in there. And there was actually a few guys who were there because they were, they'd been in pastoral ministry for 15, 20, 30 years. Uh, and this one guy in particular had been there for about 15 years, and he was just burnt, and he was actually getting ready to step out. And I remember at that point just seeing that, and in some regards going, yeah, like, what could, what could be so hard about it? <laughs> like, like what, why after 15 years is bro stepping out? Like, what's wrong? You know, like, can you just go, 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 do, 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 do? And then there was a guy for 20 years telling his story. A guy for 30 years, he had, he had run the race well, but he's come to the end of it and he's going, I'm just done. I'm just ready to find something else to do. And I remember hearing that and we went off into our own, our own private time as we do in Space for God Retreat. And God just, again, calling me on this, but really the words sticking out for me to learn the unforced rhythms of. There I was, a young married kid, the beginning of marriage, the beginning of ministry, the beginning of all kinds of stuff. Um, but God, you know, there's, there's a different rhythm to all of this that I want you to do this way. Because if you want to do it for 15 years, <laughs> you're going to need a different rhythm. And if you want to be obedient and follow me for the lifetime that I think I called you to, that I was concerned God was calling you to, you'd say, you've got to find a different way. You really need to learn how to listen to me, how to walk with me how to learn from me, how to live in this unforced rhythms of grace. And to even sit and analyze your life and figure out if you're feeling things that are heavy, if you're feeling things that are ill-fitting, you need to learn, son, how to discern them, whether that's for me or not. I'm telling you right now, those type of things are not for me. Because I don't place anything heavy or ill-fitting on anyone. And so what are the ways in which your own compulsion, your own, your own determination, your own foolishness, is leading you to feel that you're in places that are heavy and ill-fitting. Because if you know who I am, and you know who you are, in light of who I am, you're living the things that I'm calling you to, yes, things might feel hard, and yes, there'll be seasons that are tiring, but it will not feel ill-fitting or like a heavy burden for a long, long time. I remember God clearly saying that to me. It was the beginning of me learning how to do this process called soaping. You guys ever talk about that, right? I realized I had to be engaged as a pastor in my own personal devotions and building my relationship with the Lord for, for the sake of me and my relationship with the Lord, not just so I get up here and teach. I learned that I had to take Sabbath seriously. I had to learn to have a day off and take time away. My wife constantly was beating years had to call me on that. You need to rest. You're not resting. Why are you doing that on this day when you're supposed to just, just be us? And she was right. I'm thankful that God used her to call me. I had to realize and think about friendships. What does it look like not to be a pastor, but to have friendships, have meaningful friendships, 
and to go and engage and meet with people, not just for, for, for like work type meetings or pastoral care meetings, but to go and play and have fun. I've learned in the, in the years recently, I'm not, I'm not wired naturally to be like a fun, fun guy. But I had to still to accept that and be okay with it. My kids think I'm fun. Oh, I just, you know, does it sometimes? No, okay, that's cool. Thank you for laughing at that. But no, I just realized I'm just wired in this weird, almost awkward, driven, driven way. And so over and over again, God has just had to call me on this. You know, last week um, I kind of kind of did a deep dive a little bit in, into a verse, uh, Mark one seventeen. I want to put that up again in, in front of you. Mark one seventeen. This is right as Jesus is starting his his public ministry. Um, he's gone through uh, the 40 days in the desert, and he's come out, and he says, here I am. Uh, the kingdom of God is at hand. The way you engage it, you enter into it, is by repentance and belief, by taking on this faith. And then he says to us in Mark 1.17, or he says to the disciples, which I believe he's saying to us too, he says, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Last week we looked at this, but I believe that what's held in there are three invitations. First and foremost, follow me. It's an invitation to relationship. It's an invitation to personal relationship with the living God. It's an invitation for you to know the God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that created you in an intimate and personal way. He knows you, he loves you, he wants you to know and love him in return. The second invitation there is, and I will make you become. It's a call or an invitation to transformation. That once you step into this relationship, God wants to transform us. He wants to bring fullness. He wants to bring healing. He wants to change and, and restore everything about us that the devil and that sin stole away years and years and years and years ago. Invitation to relationship, invitation to transformation, and that, that call to be fishers of men is a call then to mission and redemptive influence with Christ. So relationship with Christ, transformation in Christ, and then a call to mission and redemptive influence with Christ. And last week, I know that some of you heard the kind of the vision that I set out there, and some of the things that we're talking about. You heard some of this, and I, I, I know because of some of the conversations, the feedback that I heard a little bit. Some of you go, "I want that. I want to live in that so bad. But I just don't have to make room and time and space for it." I do. I long for that, and I want to engage with God on all of those planes, but I just don't know how to make room for it. This morning, what I want to invite you to think about and consider with me is that those two invitations, the invitation that we looked at in Matthew 11, to rest and learn the unfortunate rhythms of grace, and the call of discipleship and of transformation and of living on mission with Jesus, I want to invite you to consider with me the fact that those two things are not at odds with each other. They're not. They're not competing. But I think what we all need to learn, as I've had to learn and I'm still learning, is that we need to live out the call to relationship, the call to transformation, and the call to mission Seeing it through this understanding that first and foremost, Christ's call to us is to learn an unforced rhythm of grace that is being made available to us through his life, his death, and his resurrection. Does that make sense to you? There's this, there's this unforced rhythm of grace that Christ calls us to and says, out of that grace, come and experience relationship with me. Out of this grace that's countercultural. And that is even counter to the way that you think and everything you've ever done. Out of this grace, come and experience transformation. Not by you working and white knuckling and bootstrapping and all that. No, transformation through grace. And come and experience and live a life on mission with me out of grace. Not out of feeling guilty, nor feeling shame, nor feeling compelled to do it because of 
trying to keep up with other people who look like they're putting on this good to do life. No, but living on mission and living as a, as a transformational agent in this world out of grace. Saved by grace and continually growing and walking with Jesus in this grace, in relationship, in transformation, and as a representative of Christ in his kingdom on mission. What do you think? Does that sound? I shared this a little bit too over the last probably year, year and a half, that I've come to understand the word salvation really to mean wholeness. And I'm not going to I promise you, I'll connect all the dots here shortly. Anytime you read scripture, I believe you could actually uh, substitute or read the word salvation, you should read the word as, as wholeness. The word, the word salvation, so Terry, that has its root in, in this Greek word sozo, which means wholeness. It means to make whole, to be made whole, or to keep whole. And anywhere you see in Scripture in the New Testament where it talks about this word Savior, even the Old Testament, the point of Messiah, Savior, that word can be, can be translated as the one who makes whole. And that has been so helpful for me and has been just radical in terms of my paradigm shift to believe and to understand that salvation is wholeness. Christ is the one who makes whole. And again, in all of that, it's through this rhythm of grace, this invitation to live and learn and walk with Christ, the one who himself is whole and wants me to experience wholeness of life with him and in him. And I've shared this before too, that I believe that that wholeness makes so much sense and it's such an apt understanding or translation of the word salvation because if you think about sin, we often translate sin or talk about sin because we don't like the word sin and we talk about the word brokenness, don't we? You don't want to say, oh, I feel sinful, I feel broken. You're saying the same thing, aren't you? Why? Because the effect or the consequence of sin is what? Brokenness. What the devil came to do, and what all he's always constantly doing, is tearing apart, breaking apart, disintegrating, deep, like breaking down all the things. That's what he's trying to do, that which God created to be whole at the beginning and God's desire and heart to see everything be whole in the end. Wholeness is what Christ came for. Brokenness and disintegration is what the enemy is all about and trying to do. And as we look at the Gospels, what I see is Jesus' ministry. He's constantly seeking out and saving those who are subject to the forces of evil in every single way, physical, emotional, relational, spiritual. Jesus' ministry was and is still holistic. He cares about your whole spirit, soul, body, and he wants to transform all of it. He wants us to experience wholeness in all of those areas, all of those ways, all of those things. Jesus is concerned about every single area and aspect of your life, and he wants you to learn how to live out every single area and aspect of your life by learning from him and doing it through an unforced Rhythm of grace. Everyone's out breathing. Good news, isn't it? That that's his heart, that that's his desire. That that's his longing for us. Hold that thought for a second. How many of you guys in the last five to six years have moved here and so Portland's a new place to be? Just notice the room. How many of you in the last five, six years, as part of that transition, or maybe you didn't move here, but in the last five to six years, how many of you started a new job of some sort? Okay, again, notice the numbers. 
How many of you in the last five to six years have had a relational transition? Maybe got married. Or maybe we're dating and are no longer dating. Maybe we weren't dating and now are dating. Or the opposite of any of that. Relational transition. Okay. How many of you in the last five to six years have had one child? How many of you crazy have had two children? Okay. How many of you in the last five to six years have switched a missional community or even switched a faith community? Like you stepped into this yoke on the The reason why I'm pointing all that out and, and just wanting to talk about this practically for a second is this. I think over the last five to six years, what I've seen uh, as I've had the honor of pastoring this church and talking with people, in people's lives, I've noticed two things. Two, two common themes that have come up a lot. People feeling relationally disconnected and people feeling absolutely exhausted. A lot of relational disconnection and a lot of exhaustion. How many of you guys can relate to that? You very much raise your hand. Yeah, no, just I point that out to say this. In the last five to six years, there's a lot of things that have gone on just in transition in this community. That can make it hard sometimes to feel like I can engage in those three invitations of Jesus in an unforced rhythm of grace. It's just practical. Can we talk about practical for a second? You move cities, you start your jobs, you have kids. Relationships change all of that. I mean, it's, it's tiring, it's exhausting, it can feel really disconnecting. But I believe in all of that, Christ, through his life, his death, his resurrection, through this unforced rhythm of grace that he's inviting us into, he wants us to experience fullness like we have been in the last five or six years. The other thing that, that I'm looking at culturally, here, here's a couple shifts. The digital age right now that we're living in, a lot of the apps and a lot of these things that we're connecting on, a lot of them were went public or like went really mainstream about 10, 11 years ago. And we jumped on them without thinking about the consequences of the fruit of it. Does that make sense? Some of us have really only been on some of those mainstream things in the last five or six years again. They're saying that's when it's really ramped up. And so right now we're finally experiencing the fruit or the consequences of being in such a connected digital age. And a lot of the fruit and consequences are guess what? We're hyper connected, but we're more isolated than ever. We're hyper-accessible, but we never have time to really connect or access the things we want to. I'm reading things from the business world. If you read, there was an article in last in the fall, in November, October of 2019, and it was saying that all the execs in Silicon Valley were creating all this stuff. Guess what they're saying? I don't touch this stuff myself. And I'm not letting my kids touch it either. <laughs> We'll create it and disseminate it all to you guys and we'll line our pockets with all the income that we get from you guys getting addicted to all this stuff. And guess what? We're not touching this stuff. It's true. It's in the article. Or just Google it. You'll find about five articles that different interviews about these corporate executives saying, we're not into this stuff. That's rule one of drug game, actually. You don't, don't do your own stuff. My man, Tori taught me that back in the day. We're hyper connected, we're more isolated than ever. We don't have community, but we're longing for it. Everyone now is busy. Everyone now is busy. Right? Don't y'all feel busy? I remember an age when not everybody was busy. It was only like certain professionals. You know, now everybody is busy, busy, busy. Western society has always been individualistic. Now it is hyper-individualistic. How many of you guys have your own webpage? How many of you have like five of them? Between Facebook and Twitter and all that. You have five of your own webpages. Hyper-individualistic. I'm not bashing. I'm just, I want to talk practically about something. 
we're living in a very difficult culture to thrive as human beings. Let alone thrive as disciples of Jesus to begin with. And what I've been reading and studying over the last year or two, because I've had to do this for my own health and sanity and health and my family, clinical world, the business world, they're all saying stuff that's to a degree like the church is a little slow behind. What I'm finding is I actually read these business things, these clinical health things, is that they're not saying anything that's contradictory to what the church knows and believes. They're actually helping us to understand it from a practical sense and sentiment. That we were created for connection. But the thing we carry in our pocket is not the source of it. We're created for health. We're created for flourishing. We are created to do and to produce, but it's not in the ways that the culture is giving us to do it. But that God, out of his love for us and sending his son Jesus into the world, has given us access to a new way of living, a new way of flourishing, a new way of experiencing life, a way of living life through unforced rhythms of grace. That's the story here that we've been invited into. That's the relationship we're invited to. That's the transformation we're invited into. That's the cultural engagement and transformation that we're invited to experience. Uh, there's a gal named Rebecca Lyons, and she wrote a book um, called Rhythms of Renewal. I think it's like the best-selling book of, of like life right now. They're putting it out. And last August, they started a podcast. I've never listened to a podcast in my life like regularly. Somehow I found out that this was coming out. I've listened to every single one. Because she's talking about these rhythms of grace, these rhythms of renewal. I've got my staff team reading it, we've been studying through it together. And the reason I'm standing up here today, on the back of four weeks of vision talks as we start the year, is because we're going to do another four weeks of crime right now to talk about what does it look like for us as followers of Jesus in this community, in this city, in this world, to live in a greater understanding of experiencing the unforced rhythms of grace of Jesus. In John chapter 10, as Jesus is talking about the fact that he is the good shepherd, that he is the one through which the sheep enter and experience life in the kingdom of God, he makes this statement in John 10, 10, and he says this. He says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. He says, but I have come that they, that the sheep, that believers may have life and may have it abundantly. Some translation actually translate that as to have life and to have it to the full. Again, an understanding of to have life and to experience wholeness. There's actually a, a translation that I, that I want to put up here and read for you. It says, Jesus says in John 10, 10, that I came in order that they, believers, may continuously have life, even that they may be continuously have it all around. Life all around. Life in every area of your life. Wholeness in every area of life. Wholeness in every area of life. Not just some, but all. You know, we pointed out over the last four weeks that one of the kind of the three things we really believe God is calling us to pursue or understand as a community this year, bullet number one, was that we believe that God is calling us as a community to have a greater understanding and experience how the gospel applies to all areas of our life. All areas of our life. And the only way we can do that, though, is for us to engage those three invitations of Christ. Yes, relationship, but yes, transformation. Go, Jesus, all areas of my life are submitted to you. All areas of my life are at least open to you. All areas of my life I want to and I'm willing to learn from you, 
to, to walk with you, to let your unforced rhythms of grace come into every area of my life. But in order to do that, what it means is we've got to take time to stop, to slow down, even take, a, take an assessment, if you will, or a survey of where we're at in life. What have the last five to six years, what have been the consequences of that for us, individually, communally? And so we're going to spend the next few weeks, and we're going to talk about, uh, we're, we're going to, uh, we're calling it Whole20. <laughs> Cheesy, right? What, how many of you guys have done Whole30, or thought about it, or looked at it? What does Whole30 tell you to do? It says take an assessment of your life, doesn't it? Pause for a second and stop and think about what are you putting in. And in light of what you're putting in, where is your current outcome? Well, if you want your outcome to be different, then you've got to stop. And you've got to begin to put new things in, right? If you want a different byproduct to be what your life is in this area of food. But even they attach to it different elements, don't they? Relationship and spirituality. In the year of 2020, I want it to be a year where we, yes, we became more whole as a community. Whole 20. And so we're going to start in these next five weeks. We're going to, we're going to engage in a series that we're just calling Rhythms for Life. Yes, I'm biting that off of Rebecca Lyons' book, Rhythms for Life, or Rhythms of Rhythm. What we're going to do is look at the fact that God created life in rhythm, unforced rhythms of grace. Think for a moment about Genesis, chapter 1 in his creation. It was dark and now light. There was day and then night. There was sky and there was water. Fish of the air, fish of fish of the air. Animals of the air, fish of the sea. Animals of the land, birds of you get it. Did you see the rhythm there? Oceans and tides come and go in a rhythm. He created Earth to orbit around the sun one time a year, and Earth to stay on axis one time a day. Sunset, sunrise, seasons. It's all rhythmic. God created all of this in rhythm. But when the enemy came in, the serpent came in, and he lied and he deceived the very first human, and they bought into it, and every generation has bought into the sense that we're trying to fight against it. The only thing the enemy is trying to do, I honestly believe, is to get to tear apart and break down the rhythms that God originally created in our lives. God's a God of rhythm. The rhythm of grace. That he invites and longs for you and I to live in just as much as we long to live in. That's his heart. And so, Rhythms of Renewal. Rebecca Lyons and her husband, they put out uh, four rhythms. And I'm going to talk about these. We're going to spend time each week. But the Rhythms for Renewal are this. Rest, Restore, Connect, Create. Rest, Restore, Connect, Create. They've broken this down to say that if you think about rest and restore, rest is really everything it sounds like. But she gets real practical, we'll get practical to talk about what does it look like to be people who actually do a tech detox? What might that look like for some of us to do a tech detox? How necessary might that be? So you can actually experience silence for the sake of being able to hear and understand our own thoughts again. There's so many things inputting into our brains right now, this unfortunately being one of the last ones, but so many things in culture being input, a lot of people are honest, you don't even know what are your own thoughts versus what are the world's thoughts. It's driving you crazy. It's making you exhausted. It causes you to be disconnected from everybody around you except the people who live on the other side of the world. 
How could silence help you begin to hear the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Good Shepherd, who says in John 10, 10, he says, I come that you might have life and have it to the full. Right after that, he says, my sheep, they hear my voice and they know my voice and they follow me. Hearing the voice of God and following him is a real thing, but we've got to learn how to discern it. We've got to be able to discern what's actually his voice. What is he actually saying versus what is all the input of all these other hundreds, thousands, however many other voices I'm hearing on a day-to-day basis from what culture has put in front of us and said, yeah, learn from this. Jesus says, no, learn from me. And walk in my unforced rules of grace. So talk about rest, detox, silence, reflection, and journaling. How important is it to actually get out of our own heads and get stuff down? Doing an examine, the practice of confession, the importance of good sleep, and yes, the importance of Sabbath. Taking a day where, where we rest. And not only having a weekly Sabbath, but think about a monthly Sabbath and scheduling the cake, doing all that stuff. I want to talk really practical in the next couple of weeks. Can you guys get on board with that? Again, helping us connect the gospel to every area of our life, because that's the only way we can experience wholeness. So rest. Restore is about play, it's about diet, it's about understanding our identity, it's about exercise, it's about getting out of our comfort zones in different areas. And those are input rhythms. Those are the rhythms that allow us to be filled with and to receive this grace of Christ, to be filled with his life, so that then we can go from this place of receiving this gracious input to now going to the output rhythms. The output rhythms being go connect and go create. But go connect with people from this place of, of greater rest. Go connect with people and engage in conversations and be intentional, live more vulnerably and authentically and transparently, like Joel talked about this morning. How do we do those things? I'm not, I can't do that if I first am not resting and being restored to the Lord. So I think a lot of our disconnection is because we, we don't know what my true identity is, and I don't know what my thoughts are, and I don't even know what the things I want. And so when I go and step into the community, I'm like afraid to, to engage there because I don't know what's me and what's somebody else's words. I don't even know what's going on. I don't know what my identity is. So I'm looking at this community to give me my identity. And it just doesn't work that way. It was never intended to work that way. And again, now neuroscience and all the business world, they're all telling us, yeah, it was never designed to work that way. And guess what they are supporting? Supporting the truth of Scripture that we as a church should, should know and be lived by all along. They're calling the time out for us. So, then, and then go and create. Go and take ownership of some things. And go use the God given gifts, talents, and abilities that He's given you. And go create something beautiful and redemptive in this world. But again, I gotta know who I am. I gotta be rested enough to go do that. I gotta know again with my voice and my passions and my thoughts, not just the girls down the street or the guys down the California. Like, I gotta know it's mine to, to know how to go and create it and do it in line with who God created me to be. You guys get your track with me? So we're gonna talk about these. And ultimately what I'm hoping is that this will not just be again like a series one and done, but that kind of sets the course for our year, where we begin to see that Christ, when he says, I came to have life and have it to the full, or have fullness, we would actually be to experience it more and more. We we, we find that doing this, this time together, and the things we engage in this year ahead, what we'll find is that, that we come out with a greater sense of peace, greater greater understanding of our passion, the work of our calling, and then a greater sense, too, of purpose, and going out and engaging and living in that together. So rhythms, rhythms of life, rhythms of renewal. In order to help you in this, um, and here's, here's, here's the other thing I would say about this. What I love about these rhythms, what the staff team really loved about this, is that they're not legalistic. Where you and I might find out that we're actually living into and doing a lot of these things, 
but maybe what we've actually done is, is bifurcated them from our relationship with the Lord. There are ways in which we're doing some of this stuff, but we don't think of it as part of our spiritual health. We think of, oh, this is my relationship with the Lord, and this has been the stuff I do. But fullness, again, is, is about integration. So it's helping us to understand and look and see and go, oh, how, how, how does all of this actually, how does God care about this? So it's, it's not legalistic, it's holistic. It's not about more to do than already busy, disjointed life. Again, it's about simplifying and integrating. It's also not a fad or a resolution, but it's a way of life. It's a lifestyle. Here's the other thing is that it's not a fast process. Some of you all are hearing this and you're going, yes, in the next five weeks it's all going to be fixed. No. In the next five weeks, I'm hoping that we have honest conversations about new rhythms that you can engage in your life to experience greater wholeness. And what you're going to have to do is find one or two and begin to apply it and live into it and you're going to get tired of it and you're going to need the encouragement to keep staying at it because spiritual formation is not a fast process. Recovery and wholeness is not a fast process. Renewal and newness of life, well, God can and needs to do something miraculous and change everything, give sight to the blind, I believe that. Walking and living out in that new reality is not a fast process. In fact, uh, Dallas Willard mentored for a long time a guy named John Ortberg, and I don't know if these are Ortberg's words or Willard's words, but John Ortberg in one of his, his, um, his books says this. He says, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Hurry is one of the great enemies of spiritual formation or spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And so again, the invitation that, that you, it's true, right? And the thing that we all need to learn and think about in the next few weeks is what, what's one or two practices that I can engage, that I can cultivate in this life with Jesus, in his unforced rhythm of grace? And how do I watch that thing grow by grace? How do I engage in this so I can experience greater things? Uh, so Joel has created a page on our website, missreport.org, that it's put in the news and events, and there's a bunch of resources, there's a bunch of books that I encourage you, maybe go pick and read one. Um, there's, there's, there's things there. There's also on the back table today as you leave, there's a little assessment. Again, Rebecca Lyons put it together, and her husband, and there's a little assessment that will help you think about, how am I doing in rest, in restoration, in, in connecting and in creating? If you need a printable version, I think there's 25 or 30 copies. Read all of you thought some people will just go to the website and they'll want to print it or they'll do it digitally, whatever. But would you, would you take, take the time to love yourself enough, give yourself grace enough to, to sit and do a little assessment this week and, and just think about how am I doing in this? How, how, how am I doing in this? And where, where do I want to need to experience in my life? 